0: Hey everyone, welcome to Know Your Food with Warty. I'm Warty, a wife and mom of three and author of the Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods. I'm also the lead teacher, blogger, and owner of TraditionalCookingSchool.com. I'm so glad you're here. This is the podcast devoted to healthy family cooking with traditional methods like sourdough and old-fashioned pickling. These foods are easy, delicious, healing, and your family will love them. If you haven't already, be sure to grab my free gift for you. Five free traditional cooking videos from Inside Traditional Cooking School that will introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. To start watching today, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash watch. And now let's get to today's show. Everyone. Welcome to Know Your Food with Warty, episode 159. I want to welcome our live listeners right now joining me on Periscope, and also a big warm welcome to those of you catching the video replay or the podcast later on iTunes. If you're catching it later, that means the show notes are live for you at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 159, where you will find a video replay, the audio that you can listen to or download, as well as notes and the links that are mentioned in today's episode. So I highly encourage you to go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 159. While you're there, you could visit any other podcast. This is episode 159, so there's 158 other episodes for you. And if you have comments or questions, you can leave them in the comments of podcast.com slash 159. So let's get into it. Today, we're talking about the top five healthy foods you should be eating. And the reason we're doing this is because so often uh, people come to me and come to traditional cooking school on information overload. They say, there are so many diets out there. There are so many recommendations. Can you just boil it down to one or two or a couple things that I can do? I need to get in my head around a couple things that I can do because I can't do everything. And who can blame anybody for feeling that way? Who can do everything at once? I certainly can't. I know none of you can. Although if you can, (laughs) give me a thumbs up in the comments or tap the screen liberally to share some hearts to show that you are superwoman or superman. Anyway, we could all use now and then somebody to come in and just help us narrow down the choices. And so when you're looking at all the diets out there and all the potential things you can do, um, why not do the best things? And so that's where this podcast comes from. And I want to say a big, uh, thank you to Lindsay, um, our content director at traditional cooking school for doing a lot of research on these top five foods you should be eating. Also, this was a blog post, um, few months back. And so if you want to read the actual blog post with all the sources and pictures and information, you'd go to tradcookschool.com slash top five, T-O-P five. Okay. And that link will also be at the show notes. Um, basically the point of this is that stop stressing out, stop worrying about which diet, because if you can focus on top five healthy foods, it doesn't matter what label you put on it. It doesn't matter what kind of approach you take. If you can fill your diet with these top five healthy foods, you're going to be, um, you're going to be, you know, just instantly improving and transforming your diet without doing anything official. It's quite amazing. Do we just ask you to focus on these nutrient-dense foods and it crowds out all the other stuff? It really does if you focus on this, okay? So lesson here is let's keep it simple and here are top five healthy foods you should be eating. Number one, I doubt this will come as a surprise to many people at traditional cooking school or people who've been interested in healing um, gut healing or any kind of healing. And that is, I'm going to move my stand here a little bit, let in a little bit more light. And that is bone broth. This is perhaps the simplest, most traditional, most prized nutrient-rich food in the whole world. And it's very humble, isn't it? The humble bone broth. It's made from scraps, scraps of cartilage and tendons and bones, but it's full of good stuff, collagen, gelatin, minerals, amino acids, Bone broth delivers a lot of nutrition for very little money. And the reason it's so frugal is really because you are taking leftovers. You cook a chicken and you're taking those leftovers that you might otherwise feed the dog or compost, and you're creating this gold out of it. I mean, I know that we can go to the butcher and we can ask for bones, but usually bones are what's left over. Okay, here's some other benefits of bone broth. It helps seal and heal, heal and seal the gut, it strengthens bones, it reduces joint pain and inflammation, it promotes healthy hair and nail growth, it's also healing to the adrenal glands and thyroid. It's one of the most frugal foods you can eat, as I mentioned before, because it's just water and scraps that you would otherwise give to the dog or compost. At traditional cooking school, we have a couple methods for making broth course now we're all into using our pressure cooker like our instant pot to make it quick Um, but we also do perpetual bone broth in a crock pot where you just keep it going you can also do you know one-off batches as we teach inside our fundamentals e-course and i also want to refer you to my friend megan stevens at eatbeautiful.net because she has a wonderful post on bone broth you just search eatbeautiful.net for that and she tells you about harvesting your bone broth at different stages to get to to recognize the beauty of broth at each stage. So if you want to get more advanced, you can do that. But right now, my recommendation is to get some bone broth in your diet regularly. You can do that by drinking it straight from a mug. I love to make a big batch and then put it in my half-gallon jars to put in the fridge as we're, you know, just to use for sauces and meals throughout the week. But inevitably, there's a little bit left over. And I put it right in a mug and I salt it up and I just sip on it for the next hour Or faster if I'm really thirsty and it's cool enough. Just, you know, it's so satisfying. I love salted bone broth. Um, But we know that, you know, maybe some people in your family don't prefer drinking it straight from the mug. So at the show notes, I'm going to have a link for you that gives you eight ways to use it without drinking it straight. Um, Here's your action step for this. It's to begin making bone broth and finding ways to incorporate it in your family's meals. And visit the show notes for links and more about this, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 159. So that was number one, bone broth. Um, In the comments, what do I do if my bone broth is oily? What you do is you harvest the oil, actually after about an hour or so, I believe, um, and just reserve that for cooking. Harvest it before it gets rancid, because long cooking will make that, that oil turn bitter and rancid. So we're getting all kinds of yeps and thumbs up. Yes, I try. Thumbs up. Great, great, great trying. Good job, everybody. If you go to eatbeautiful.net and you search for Megan's post on bone broth, she explains that whole fat issue. So you can get out of that whole oil issue there. Uh, Someone's saying, have some cooking now. Great. And the thumbs up continue to come in. I'm proud of all of you. So you've already got number one mastered. Number two of the top five healthy foods uh, to get in your diet is fermented foods. Did you know that 80% of your immune system lives in your small intestine? And there's a delicate balance of beneficial and harmful bacteria of yeast in there. And so that balance, you want to shift it toward the beneficial, right? Well, because those beneficial organisms are responsible for nearly every function in your body. Big one is the immune system, as I mentioned. So it stands to reason that keeping the number of beneficial organisms up and the number of harmful organisms down makes a lot of sense. How do you do this? Through fermented foods because they are rich in beneficial organisms. So you might take probiotic supplements, and that's fine, and uh, nothing wrong with that. But you shouldn't do that at the expense of probiotic foods because probiotic foods have enzymes, beneficial acids, as well as the, the probiotics. I mean, it's, a, it's like the whole food, you know, big picture um, benefit if that makes sense. And making fermented foods and drinks can be fun. You know, I'm all about that. I'm the author of the Complete Idiot's Guide to Fermenting Foods and Lacto Fermentation eCourse is one of the most popular um, courses inside traditional cooking school. And at traditionalcookingschool.com, we have all kinds of fermented recipes and lists. So if you visit the show notes, knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 159, I'm going to have links to a whole bunch of lists of traditional cooking school approved fermented recipes for you to try. I do recommend that you either get a a hold of my book, and Shelly said she's reading it right now, or that you visit our lacto-fermentation e-course so you can understand the science behind it. It's very simple, it's a very beautiful process, and then that can inform you as you explore recipes. Okay, so here's your action step on this uh, healthy food number two, is to choose a ferment, make it and eat it, and then repeat and repeat and repeat. Do not feel like you have to make the whole world of ferments all at once. You just make one at a time. In the comments, there are only two of us. How long does kefir last? Kefir actually lasts a couple weeks in the fridge, but it's going to continue to get more sour. So what you want to do is find the balance of how much kefir you can consume um, before it gets too sour for you to finish it. So maybe it's just a quart. Maybe it's a half gallon. something you want to play with. Number three. This one's a biggie it's got to be on the top five list. Pastured meats and organs. Did you know, now this is a sad fact, almost all meat in the United States comes from CAFOs, Concentrated Animal Feeding Operations. And the animals raised in CAFOs are raised in deplorable conditions. And those conditions come with a price on our health in addition to theirs. But if we eat unhealthy animals, we get the you know, the negative benefits of that. So they're in close quarters with other animals. They're often without fresh air, clean water, and sunshine. So they're more prone to sickness. Their food therefore is laced with antibiotics which then end up in the meat. And I am making some broad brush generalizations here. I know that not all um, conventional meats are raised as badly as the CAFOs. So please understand that. Um, And you'll, you'll see why in a minute. So it was also discovered decades ago that small daily doses of antibiotics, remember I said their feed was laced with it because they're more prone to sickness so that just you know, keeps them from getting infected. Anyway, these days, daily doses of antibiotics cause the animals to gain up to 3% more weight than they otherwise would, and numerous studies are showing that the same antibiotics that are used to keep confined animals unsick because otherwise they would be prone to sickness is making humans more sick because these antibiotics are affecting the flora in our guts. Really sad. And if that use of antibiotics wasn't enough to turn you off of conventionally raised animal products, let's look at the diet of these animals. In a CAFO, cows are fed an an obscure concoction of chemically laced corn and other grains, byproducts from the production of ethanol and high fructose corn syrup, and silage. The trouble is that cows aren't designed to eat grains byproducts, they are designed to eat grass. So this unnatural diet produces a sick, nutrient deficient animal, resulting in nutrient deficient meat and toxic organs for you and me. On the other hand, let's talk about pastured beef, because I'm not making, I'm not saying that beef or, or um, animals are bad for you, it's the way they are raised conventionally now. Um, So, pastured beef, on the other hand, has two to five times more heart-healthy anti-inflammatory omega-3, two to three times more CLA, which is conjugated linoleic acid, and that's protective against heart disease, diabetes, and cancer. Um, It has more of the antioxidants, vitamin E, glutathione, the superoxide dismutase, if I'm saying that right, and catalase, and more minerals like zinc, phosphorus, iron, and potassium. And... Here's the great news. It isn't as hard to find local ranchers who can provide you with far superior beef, pork, and chicken. Look for pastured. Um, They might even be giving a bulk discount if you order a half or a quarter or even a whole. Um, And these ranchers, the beauty of it is they are in control. If they're doing their jobs right and you can ask them. It's not this anonymous thing. You can actually go there or see their website or ask for pictures or ask questions. They're in control of the process from start to finish. And so you could even ask for extras too, like bones, to make bone broth. Remember number one? Uh, You can ask for organs because organs are even more concentrated sources of especially fat-soluble vitamins A and D. You can even ask for feet. So chicken feet have extra gelatin to make extra gelatin-rich broth. It's kind of amazing. Now, um, you shouldn't eat the organs of conventionally raised animals i think everybody knows this but i'm going to say it anyway because they are like especially the liver it's the it's the detox factory of that animal's body so it's going to have the most concentrated amounts of the toxins that the animal has been eating or in the air or whatever and or in you know if, even if the they are in grass and the grass has had pesticides so the liver's gonna contain that. So make sure your organs are from pastured animals. So here's your uh, action step on this, number three, to have pastured meats and organs, is cheap meat, may seem, cheap meat may seem like a deal, but it's really not. So check eatwild.com or localharvest.org or your local Craigslist or health food store or you know, your local resource, like your local Weston A. Price Foundation, to find farmers of pastured animals near you. And as you find these sources, begin um, uh, including them in your family's diet. Okay, so that was number three, eating pastured meats and organs. So, so important. Number four is lots of cooked veggies. Now, raw vegetables can be beneficial, um, but they're often difficult to digest, especially people with uh, poor digestion or leaky gut. So most of the time, raw veggies should be reserved for fermenting or just eaten sparingly. Now, if you roast, boil or steam vegetables, you're softening their fibers, you're making their vital nutrients more available for their for your bodies. Green leafy vegetables like kale, chard and spinach should always be cooked before eating and actually ideally the water drained because they have oxalic acid which is a well, it 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 prevents uh, mineral absorption, prevents nutrient absorption. So that's one of the reasons why we don't really recommend green smoothies with raw greens. So that's a special class of vegetables where cooking is actually very beneficial and very recommended. So your action step on this, which is eat lots of cooked veggies, is to include a rainbow of veggies in your family's diet. So reds, oranges, yellows, greens, purples, and whites. And I have a list of the various kinds um, at knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash 159 in the comments no spinach salad. Actually, occasionally is okay, but spinach is one of those dark greens that should be steamed and the water drained. Or fermenting also reduces the oxalic acid. But regular consumption of oxalic acid is going to lead to mineral deficiencies. It's also, if you look at it under the microscope, it's it's like shards of glass inside your body and it can cut and, um, and anyway, cause difficulties. <laughs> so, like whatever stones you build up are highly related to oxalic acid frequently i there's a member of our family who got what was it some type of stones and the doctor said you got to stop having spinach salad and that indeed has kept the stones away because it's the oxalic acid like i said you look at it under a microscope and it's shards of glass and they just build up in your body and build up those stones okay so that was number four lots of cooked veggies. And now we're on to number five. This is not going to come as a surprise to anybody either. Healthy traditional fats. When I use the term traditional, I mean foods that our ancestors, our great, 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 great grandparents would have eaten for thousands of years. Not the foods that are developed in a lab, um, not the foods like, you know, the canned food industry where canning became the norm to get food last on the shelves for years and years. Um, Anyway, that's what traditional means. So it's the way people used to eat, the foods they used to eat, the way they used to be prepared. And so healthy traditional fats means our ancestors would not recognize vegetable oil or margarine or Crisco or even like chemically extracted veggie oils. Okay. The fats they ate didn't require huge factories or expensive equipment to process. Their traditional fats Required very little processing and could be made right in the kitchen. So those are the same kind of fats we need to eat. Now, doesn't mean you have to make them. Okay, <laughs> it just means that's the kind we're after, and they're a huge component in a nutrient-dense diet. So let's go over what they are. Butter. So you'd look for grass-fed or pastured butter, or simply regular butter instead of margarine. So butter, real butter. Even if you're at a restaurant and there, you know, you've ordered toast. You know, say, could I have real butter on that? Or if you have like green beans or roasted or steamed veggies, ask for real butter. And a real restaurant should have real butter. Okay, ghee is clarified butter, where it's purified to to remove milk and other impurities. Um, Not to say that milk is an impurity, but when you make butter. It's not pure unless you turn it into ghee. Okay, and, and I talk more about that inside traditional cooking school. So if you're a member, just go to the Fundamentals 2E course. We have a whole lesson on ghee. So you can make your own or you can purchase it. Tallow is another, and rendering your own tallow is easy and inexpensive, but it can also be purchased. So tallow would be the rendered fat of um, beef, for instance. Lard is the rendered fat of a pig. So you could make your own or purchase. There's schmaltz, which is chicken or goose fat. So for the person earlier who was talking about, um, or asking about the oily, the oil on top of their um, broth. So if you harvest that, and you'd have to look on Megan's site, eatbeautiful.net, for, if you do that after a half hour or an hour of a regular you know, cooking your broth. But if you harvest that fat then, before it's cooked long and turned bitter or rancid, What you're harvesting is schmaltz so put it in a jar or bowl and it solids up and then you can fry your eggs in it you can saute veggies or stir fry you can add it i mean you could spread it on your toast that's schmaltz so your chicken your basically your poultry fat is called schmaltz or chicken or goose fat then there's duck fat there's goat fat and then there's all these wild animals like bear and seal and whale and those are prized in certain areas of the world and if you could find some and try it do Happy Skinny Mama is saying she just made clarified butter. And I'm also getting a thank you. This helps a lot. Great. There's also olive oil, extra virgin olive oil. Do you know how olive oil is made? I mean, maybe now they have machines, but the whole community would get together in this big pit of olives and they would use their feet and they would just crush. That's how easy it is to make olives. Olive oil come out of olives. Remember what I said about the traditional fats could be made without big machines and factories? Now, they may use big presses now for the olive oil but literally the oil comes out of the olives you don't you can just press it out with your feet i'm not necessarily advocating that but you know just to explain the principle here um avocados and avocado oil Uh, coconut oil so here's your action step on this healthy traditional fats Uh, top food number five, which is toss out any vegetable oils or margarine you might still be using and replace those unhealthy fats with the healthy traditional fats I just named. Um, So is it pretty simple? I mean, we didn't talk about paleo, we didn't talk about primal, we didn't talk about gluten-free or dairy-free or SCD or GAPS or FODMAPS or AIP. (laughs) These are just top five healthy foods that are going to transform your diet if you just pursue them and you know what you eat if you fill your belly with good things it means you're not eating bad things so if you're trying to get away from processed foods or standard american food or sugar or you know the chemical flavors or the saltiness of standard american food the things i've just mentioned are going to satisfy you so deeply that over time cravings And room for that other stuff is simply going to go away. And so I'm hoping from this podcast, um, just to show you how simple real food can be by pursuing top five healthy foods. And of course, there's more things we could say. But I think if we pursue these top five, like I told you, you're going to crowd out anything. Crowd out, you know, the bad stuff. Thanks, everyone. Do you have any questions? I can take questions for a couple minutes. Thank you for being here. Thank you for the hearts. And I've been seeing your comments come in as we talk. It's been such a blessing to talk with you. All right. Does that mean everybody's good? Okay. Well, let me wrap up. Oh, how do you know how to make coconut oil? I actually don't know how to make coconut oil, but it's a traditional practice. It might involve a centrifuge or spinning coconuts or pressing coconuts. Um, You could Google that, but it is something that they could do without big machines. Thank you, everyone. Thanks for the good comments. Okay, as we wrap up here, let me remind you the show notes are available for you with links and more. KnowYourFoodPodcast.com slash 159. Also, at Traditional Cooking School. I have a free video series to introduce you to my favorite fundamental techniques of traditional cooking. It includes fact sheets, you know, things to help you put what you learn into practice with an easy reference. And so that is at tradcookschool.com watch. So be sure and grab that if you haven't already. It's a completely free gift to you. And I love introducing people to traditional cooking and showing you how easy and nutrition it can, nutritious it can be. Commenter just asked for a quick recap, so I'll be happy to do that. Number one was bone broth. Number two was fermented foods. Number three is pastured animal meats and organs. Number four is uh, lots of cooked veggies. And five was healthy traditional fats. So focus on those and so many things will fall into place. God bless you. Talk to you all again in a week. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you'll come back again. Let me tell you what you can do next. You can visit the show notes for this episode and get links and more resources about today's topic. Just visit knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash and then without a space, type the number of this episode. You can stop by traditionalcookingschool.com slash watch to get five free traditional cooking videos from me. It's a gift. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app or Stitcher. If you're on a mobile device, just search for Know Your Food with Wardy while you're in the app. If you're on a desktop or laptop, go to knowyourfoodpodcast.com slash iTunes right in your browser. And while you're there, please leave a rating or review. I love to read your comments and your feedback makes it much more likely that others who are interested will find this podcast too. Thank you so much and God bless you.